The Spin-Off Podcast Network. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora koutou and welcome to Gone by Lunchtime, New Zealand's best-dressed monthly political podcast from your friends at the Naval Gazing Corporate Shell Hot Take Factory, the spin-off. My name is Toby Manhai and in the pod today, the dream team of Annabelle Lee and Ben Thomas. Annabelle is, of course, executive producer of the unmissable Sunday morning current affairs triumph, the Hui. And you've been greenlit for another year. Annabelle, is that, is that, is that from public three, knowledge? From three, yes, but we're waiting to hear back from... New Zealand on here. I thought you might intro me as the daughter of Sea Goblin. Oh gosh, <laughs> I wondered whether or not you'd see that. Yes, I saw that. Um, uh, and speaking of your parentage, you were just telling us about the crazy years in Waiheke. Crazy years on Waiheke is such good Sandra times. Sandra and yeah, Mike. Pre-vineyard pre days. You missed a lot, listeners. When it was hippies and like roaming packs of lesbians and sailors. Wow. It was the heady, wonderful days of Waiheke in its prime, I must what say. What age were you during that? Um, we moved over when I was about three, and uh-huh. I was there until I was 16. Wow. Your mm. formative years, very formative much. Formative years, that's right. Wow, really are a child of Waiheke. Mm. Um, ben, meanwhile, you were telling us before we came on about some of your best tweets. <laughs> Ben Thomas, at Ben Thomas NZ. Um, highly, yeah, some highly underrated sexual innuendo pre-Maldi civilization tweets. Oh. Surprisingly narrow audience. Uh, do they do better than your craft beer tweets? That's your other. The craft thing. beer tweets are the only thing keeping me afloat. That's about eighty percent of my income these days. Ben Thomas uh, comes to us uh, direct and live from the public relations megacorp Exceltium. Who operate in the shadows of New Zealand political life? Are they still located in Gotham City, or someone made a joke? I think it was Todd Nile, uh, who's quite a funny man. That now it would be called Gotham City, <laughs> thanks to the election of. That's awesome. I'm so, that was okay. I'm so glad local body elections are over. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, we will eventually get to <clears throat> Aaron Smith and uh, sex in a disabled toilet. But first, we are going to deal with uh, the Phil Goff situation. Um, and then we'll make our way through Hobson's Pledge, by-elections, Murrah Davidson on the high seas. Phil Goff, though, Gotham City. Gotham City. Um, I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I was one of the people who said, I think Phil Goff is going to win this election. A, a, a bold call, a young Tyro just mm. appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. 
it's really hard to get enthused about these things this this kind of triennial sort of name recognition contest um phil phil goff should have probably been crowned about a year ago when he first threw his his well-trodden name into the hat yeah you went out on a limb there toby and i admire your courage so i also was um going against the grain saying some time ago that i thought donald trump was a bad man and i feel vindicated as well on that front well i think that's still yet to be proven to be fair toby i think there's nothing wrong yeah in in in, in a way you're just appealing to the base He's a cat man. Did the mayoral election, the local body election, um, excite you, Annabelle? You had a debate on the hui. We did. We had a good debate on the hui. Um, what I found interesting about it's a hard thing when you're hosting a debate because obviously, you know, in this case, there was 19 candidates and you can't host 19 candidates in half an hour for a mm. debate. So we mm. relied on the spin-offs. Um, oh polling, oh and we took the top three candidates. But because there's such a low voter turnout and low participation of Māori and local government, we thought we would uh, get Tyrone Romati to be mm. um, one of our candidates to appear. And, of course, we're funded by Te Māngai Pāho, so it would be nice to have a candidate who spoke Māori. And the vitriol um, that came out of that, particularly from Penny Bright and Chloe Shawbrick supporters, really? was just unbelievable. And the great irony of it was in, in their numerous um, tweets and Facebook posts is that um, they support Kopapa Māori and Chloe's even studied the treaty <laughs> and yet they resented that a Māori candidate appeared on our programme over yes. them. So. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite an interesting insight into the minds of how these local government people and their supporters work. I mean, look, at the, at the end of the day, these... At the end local, of the day, let's go. You know, you, 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 you couldn't fit a paperclip between what Vic Crone and Phil Goff um, and, and to a lesser extent, you know, Polino was offering. Everyone was saying that they're going to uh, keep rates low, they're not going to borrow any more mm. money, but they're going to vastly increase expenditure and they're not going to sell assets. Um, it, it, you know, I, th- I think the democratic kind of aspect of local body elections is really overstated. Um, you know, you could do just as well to abolish all local government in New Zealand and replace it with the Department of Parks and Sewage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lynn Brown as the first mayor of the super city, has actually achieved quite a lot in some regard. I mean, in terms of, I mean, even if you just look at the CRL, the yeah. Central Rail Link, that's quite a impressive achievement, isn't it? Yeah, but if you, if you had a central agency looking at uh, cities' public transport, I don't think you'd lose too much. Um, you know, Auckland Transport is already run uh, as a crown, crown, uh, sorry, council-controlled organisation. Um, so that's a, that's already sort of at arm's length um, from the councils. Len Brown is he, he doesn't have any way of paying for the CRL yet, um, but because he wants to keep rates down, keep borrowing down, um, and increase expenditure. It, it you, you know I, I think this this it sort of reminds me a lot of um, you know elections and. Places like North Korea or something, where basically you're just, you know everyone knows who the, who they have to vote for. It's it's Phil Goff, right? It's you know it's you know when when you get into you know by the time you get through this kind of this booklet that you're given um, to the district health boards where there's sort of thirty candidates, you know there's, there's no real sort of rational choice happening there in the voting in the voters' mind. Um, those were the views of Ben Thomas of Exceltium and do not represent the views of Annabelle Lee, Altoe Madhire, or the spin-off. Um, 
North Korea dictatorships, would you do away, Annabelle, with local body elections or do you think they serve a... No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do away with them. But what I think is interesting, you know, we're going to be talking later about 20 years of MMP. Mm. And you look at local government and you think, well, you guys could probably do with a bit of MMP because it's by and large, you know, middle-aged to old white guys, very, you know, little representation for anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Sea goblin. Um, So... uh, yeah, no, I think New Zealand's got a lot of work to do in that department. And, um, you know, we're Andrew Rudd, we've had all the kerfuffle down there. And, of course, no Māori have been elected mm. in Taranaki, New Plymouth. Mm. So I think um, it's still not representative of communities. And it's such an important thing, local government for Māori, because that's where the rubber hits the road in t- terms mm. of resource management, land all of those sorts yeah. of issues. So, so. Sir Geoffrey Palmer, um, in his draft constitution for New Zealand, proposes, a big fan. <laughs> proposes making local go- local government, uh, you know, constitutionally enshrined in New Zealand. Right now, it's just a statutory creation. It's about the it's not about the same level as the racing board, really, in terms of um, in terms of constitutional standing. Um, and and I, you know I can't think of anything more preposterous. You know, basically just enshrining a, an extra franchise for old white men. Uh, but there is definitely a, that that whole democratic deficit that people talk about is pronounced, isn't it, in local body elections in a range of ways. And you get as far down the form as the district health board, mm. and basically you have no idea who the fuck any of these people. And you're no. asked to rank them from one to yeah. twenty six. Yeah. It's the first time you get the opportunity to use single transferable vote oh. in the local body elections in Auckland. We're talking about at least. And I mean, please. I mean, that's a joke. It's just a lottery, really. Or how many people, how many mates you can round up. Sing- single transferable vote is the preferred electoral system of teenage war game nerds and people with PhDs in political science. It's for people who really enjoy the act of voting and for whom it's a sort of triennial well, highlight. I think it's well. not a bad thing if you know who you're voting for to be able to... Yeah. I think that's part of the problem with MMP is that people almost over-strategize and they spend a lot of time thinking about voting against who they don't want rather than voting for who they do actually want. And I think you see that a lot in the Māori electorates. They vote to keep people out rather than voting for who they want to put in. A lot of it is sort of fear-based voting almost, whereas I think with single transferable vote, although it's a bit ridiculous when you've never heard of any of the humans on the ballot sheet, if you do know who they are, I think it can be actually quite a good thing. I agree. I think in, in, in the mayoralty vote, it should be there. As it turns out, everyone knew that Phil Goff was going to win, so people felt free to vote for your Chloe Swarbrick or whomever anyway without feeling as though they were going to influence the outcome. But if you'd had, <coughs> excuse me, if you'd had Polino, Mark Thomas, and Vic Crone together uh, achieving, say, fifty percent more of the vote than Phil Goff, that would seem to me uh, they'd be a bit hard done by, wouldn't they? And 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 because it's just first past the post in Auckland, unlike say Wellington, um, you don't have the opportunity to rank them. Yeah, look, I, I just can't see the appeal of it. You know, you, you, you get one vote uh, in general. <laughs> you, you know, you, you vote for the party that you want most um, and, and there's no take backs. So I don't think there's any huge philosophical problem with that. Never fear, we are going to come back to electoral systems for those of you who are enjoying this electoral system chat. So many of them. 
<coughs> but does anyone else, speaking of places other than Auckland, does anyone else have any thoughts, even one, even one thought about a local body election that happened outside Auckland? Yes, I do. Go. The Māori guy from Porirua threw his hat in the ring at the last minute. Tana, don't know his first name, so I'm assuming he's from Ngātihine or something, and he won. So that's cool. So he took it from Nick Leggett, so, who, who, who went from Porirua to go for the Wellington big chair. You know far more than I. All I know is that some Maori dude won Porirua, and Maori I'm very, very happy about it, <laughs> and his last name's Tana. And the other thing is Wairua has voted to have Maori wards, a Maori ward, which I uh. think is a progressive and good thing, and so they should. A lot of Maori in that community. So, so wait, they had like a referendum bit, or they I voted on council? So, yeah. Oh, interesting. These are very interesting things that we only know a very little bit about. So we'll stop there and move on and talk about turnout briefly, um, which might again um, uh, excite a few of you voting system fetishists. Uh, ben, some people in the wake of the turnout across the country, I think it was 40%, maybe 36 mm. point something or other in Auckland. There's been a bit of a campaign launched by people saying it's time for online voting. Um, that's how we engage the kids. What's your hot take on that? Look, in, in the absence of the sensible alternative of the minister responsible appointing the board of the Department of Sewage and Parks. <laughs> this, this is a very North Korean The alternative would be... Is Kim Jong-un an Exceltium <laughs> client? Can you, you would... <laughs> I, th I think I think that you would absolutely to go to online voting. There's, you know, for some for someone like me, um, you know, going to a post box and putting an envelope in is every bit as arduous and testing as actually going <laughs> to a polling station. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really cut down on the effort at all. Um, whereas online voting, I could do from my desk, you know, and I I, th I think that um, this idea that it's somehow less secure. Than uh, than a postal ballot, um, re re it seems to be belied by the the way that I I got at least sort of six ballots in my mailbox, you know, for former residents of the house. Except and that I suppose the potential for, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm eating some fudge. <laughs> um, help me here, Annabelle. The the risk of um, fraud on a digital scale is much larger than the risk of gaming a you know a couple of your cousins. Voting paper. I, I mean, it, it could be that the safeguard against that is that the only people who are involved in local politics are over the age of about 55, and so the potential for hacking is vastly reduced. I wouldn't have thought so, Toby, to be fair. Is there going to be huge voting cybercrime? Like, where every day trillions of dollars are transferred all around the world using the internet, I think voting and yeah, local body well, elections, we're not going to have the Russians cracking us, are There's we? a very good piece on the um, uh, website startup, The Spin-Off by Nigel McNee, um, which um, explores some of the risks. He's a very smart um, web developer dude, programmer, and, and there are some serious risks. And one of the arguments that's made is why, why should we risk it here? You know, I mean, where are the, where are the good examples that we can point to of it working? Um, and uh, I'm not sure there's actually any evidence, although we sort of assume it to be true, that young people are more likely to vote in an online uh, format. I don't know if that's I true. I definitely don't think we're going to have less young people voting if it's online. And in terms of Māori, given that there's 
there's been some really interesting studies done about why Māori don't vote, and a part of it in terms of general elections is just feeling intimidated about walking into a polling booth and not really knowing how it works and what the tikanga mm. of it is. It's mm. not necessarily that they feel completely um, disengaged from politics. It's more that, that they haven't been taught, mm. they haven't had no, they haven't had parents that go out and vote, and so they don't as well. And because we don't have Maori, young Maori don't have security of housing, you know, sending out voting papers is often a bit of a hit and miss exercise yeah, as well, yeah. whereas they are very active online. They're huge on social media and all of those sorts of platforms. So I think you're more likely to get young Māori voting and engaging in the process if it was available online, but I don't know if that suits, um, you know, people who currently occupy all of those positions in local government at the moment. Uh, one of the results of... Uh, Phil Goff winning in Auckland is that it creates a by-election, which means that we get two Christmases in December, one on the 25th and one on the 3rd, I think is the likely date. Is that right? Um, for the, the, for the, for the, the, the Mount Roskill by-election. Michael Wood, or is it Woods? Michael Wood. Wood. Michael, Michael Wood. Wood. Michael Wood. A, a university colleague of mine. Is he? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I actually think he's a, a fantastic candidate for them to pick. Um, I think I must know, have known him for about 17 years now, mm. and he has not once deviated from Labour Party talking points. Um, I think he's got exactly the sort of level of kind of discipline and message control that they need. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, when, when you, uh, you know, but because think, you know, when you think about it, by-elections are an extraordinary sort of spectacle. You know, the entire press gallery will fly up from Wellington to follow around you know, people who in the normal course of events mm. would, you know, I think currently he's a local board member or mm. something, mm. you know, would normally talk to sort of, you know, the junior reporter at their local rag or something. And there's a, there's a lot Western of pressure. Leader. Um, you know, I think the Mount Albert by-election really kind of imploded Melissa Lee's um, promising uh, career back, mm. way back in 2009. Um, and and so I, th I think it's, it's, a, it's actually a very prudent choice. Um, and it's. Um, I like what Morgan. Did you read Morgan Godfrey's tweet about the Mount Roskill by-election? He said, you know, tell us about oh, Morgan well, Godfrey's because tweet. obviously the demographics there are really, you know, diverse. Lots of immigrants, Pacifica, mm -hmm. all the rest of it. He said that about Michael Wood. I think it was that if a Pakeha male New Zealander loses Mount Roskill because of his um, ethnicity, mm. Morgan will eat the Treaty of Waitangi. <laughs> well, retweet it, people. Look for it. Retweet it. That like sounds it. good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna verbally retweet that right now. I'm just gonna, which means I'm just gonna read it out again. <laughs> well, the the national candidate is likely to be Palmjeet Palmar, who is a list MP currently um, uh, for national. Yeah, that's right. And she's been earmarked by a few people as you know having a pretty promising future. Um, and a lot of that is going to hinge on her performance over the next um, two months. Um, Didn't she have some sort of shady scandal? There was some. There was some ben, accusations you know. around using um, a housing roadshow or something. Something like that for, yeah. for, for housing officials. I don't help know if cover anything is proven. Lawyers. Um, the there's also this People's Party thing that sprung up a while ago. Remember that, uh, which made Winston very cross. Oh, um, which is a, a group of I think mostly um, uh, Indian New Zealanders. So it seemed, yeah. Um, South Asian, anyway, and they're, 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 they're talking about targeting the Mount Roskill seat, and that could play a part, maybe, possibly. 
No, I think the, the, these sorts of parties pop up every kind of three or four years. We've we've had a Pan Pacific party. Um, I, I think there was another one called the New Zealand party at some point. And Ben is going to be launching the Kim Jong Un party. And, uh, yeah, they they, they all t- they all tend to just sort of disappear or become merged into United Future whenever Peter Dunn needs five hundred members to register. You made to Peter Dunn. The um, do they have a chance? Do National have a shot? I, I mean, it's. I, I, I think. So. I think it's true that a that a that a sitting government has never taken a seat mm. away from an opposition party in a by election, um, but the National won on the list, won in the party vote in Mount Roskill in two thousand and fourteen. So, mm. yeah, like I, like I said, long shot, uh, nil shot. I'd nil say. shot. Um, Michael Woods very well known. You know, Michael's very well known in the electorate. You know, he's involved in local government there, which is that name recognition thing we were talking about. Um, he's, you know, Labour will devote huge, huge, huge amounts of its limited resources towards this campaign. <laughs> and I uh, suppose they don't, I suppose there's no kind of, um, how can I put it, controversy hanging around the departing candidate as there has been in by-elections <laughs> in <laughs> so, so, yeah. recent past. That's right. We, um, so, <laughs> so, so Phil Goff is sort of, you know, uh, is going to be lauded as moving on to a bigger, better role in a way, so he That's doesn't right. leave any Dirty laundry Yeah, yeah. Oh, skid marks, nice. Uh, I, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, I, I think, though, if, if some... By chance, somehow Labor does lose, and Andrew Little should just They'd be quit. Finished, wouldn't they? just have it to would quit. Be, it would be. Wouldn't it would think? be incredible. They just shut down the party. They just. Yeah. They just. They just light a match, and say, "Let's just watch it burn." <laughs> it's it's Guy Fawkes anyway. <laughs> Let's just finish it. You know. Yeah. The, I mean, the other thing is, it's going to be a straight runoff between National and Labor. Um, Active sort of cleared themselves from the field. The the Greens, the Greens have removed have, themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think there'll be too much of a problem. And we've got the Greens on that front, and this takes us through to the birthday of MMP in a way, which has turned 20, mm. which means it can now legally bet in a casino, I oh, think. Oh, good, yeah. Um, Greens have, have been saying, have been have been accused of hypocrisy because they attack Epsom, and now they're standing aside in Mount Roskill to give Labour a blah, blah, blah. It's all this dirty borough stuff. Do you... Part of me, tell me if I'm wrong, feels like we should just say, stop it with all this, you know, dirty boroughs, rotted seats. It's the system. Do whatever you like. Voters are grown-ups, and if they want to punish you for what they think is a dirty act, then they'll punish But But, but it's, I just sort of, I, I get a bit tired of the, it's just as much as I get tired of listening to Winston Peters bat away another question about what his bottom lines are, I get tired of arguments about whether or not a party standing in a seat or standing aside is somehow uh you know contemptible am i right i i think you're right yeah, yes I yeah agree. um i, I you know be, because the thing to remember is that none of the none of the political parties themselves actually believe this when they say it when they talk about rotten boroughs or dirty deals mm-hmm. they, they 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 don't think that at all right mm-hmm. but they they know that they they know that Paddy Gower in particular and uh, and other journalists will will take the bait and will try and you know run it as a scandal um the, the sorry I've completely I think that was it. I think that was all I had to say. You were agreeing with me, really. Yeah, I I I think think just to to loop around, 100% correct. The only only thing I don't like, it's not dirty boroughs, but it's more when 
hasn't happened for a long time, but when you have people elected for a certain party on the list who then quit and join another party. We've had that for a while, Not for a lot. I think Alamein Corpu might have been the last person Uh, to do that. Well, Brendan Brendan Horan left and 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 started his own. Yeah, actually, that's another one. Was it the Brendan Horan party? It was the the independent party. No, 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 it was the Brendan Horan party. (laughs) (laughs) It was not. Um, The MMP more generally, though, Annabelle, 20 years. 20 years. To think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Success. I mean, it hasn't been this that we were warned of a kind of 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 these torched landscapes of unstable, unstable government, and it hasn't really worked out that way. It's been pretty stable, isn't it? It's been pretty stable. Yeah, I think you know Winston Peters and the first um, MMP election didn't get off to a good start, did it? I don't think that's how people envisaged. It was sort of like the worst worst case scenario for how MMP um, might play out. But I think since then it's been by and large pretty good. And, you know, at the time Māori um, advocates were saying, you know, MMP stood for more Māori in Parliament and that's what we've seen and I think that's been um, a good thing. And as I said before, by comparison to the level of representation, you know, diversity of representation that you see in local government, MMP's worked well. And the Māori Party is a very good example of arguably MMP working insofar as that there was a splinter away mm. but still able to get a foothold in Parliament. Mm. And then, but you know, they get criticised a lot for, you know, um, cuddling up to government, but they have achieved things, right? They have. I think the Greens is probably an even better example because they have been able to maintain their identity as a party but still get some important runs on the board, you know, um, insulation, all those sorts of different kaupapa that they've been quite passionate about. They have been able to achieve things outside of government, so... Not for a bit, not for a bit. There's nothing in the... I mean, you're right, but 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 not, not lately, have they? They've gone full oppositional now. Yeah, that's right, and that might be connected with their memorandum of understanding with Labour, uh, much closer cooperation. Mm. What I, uh, I think if you look back... Um, the first two MMP governments we had actually um, collapsed, which was the coalition between um, New Zealand First and National mm. and then uh, Labour and the Alliance. Both mm. of those sort of ended in quite sort of spectacular Tears. fashion. Tears. Um, and, and, Tears and so Helen Tears Clark's <laughs> Helen Clark's innovation in 2002, which was seen as... Um, which was seen as, you know, some political scientists had a bit of a worry with it at the time, which was ministers who were you know, ministers who were not part of the government. So yeah. the, this idea of support parties rather than coalition partners mm. um, propping up governments. And that's actually worked much, much better, I think, um, both for the government and for their support parties um, and probably for good government. It's true, isn't it? I mean, we get, we get kind of, we use the word coalition quite loosely, but, I mean, there is no coalition. Is there? It's a minority government. That's right. The, 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 the John Key government's always with, been minority with, with these agreements where they, you know, stipulate which 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 uh, legislative change they'll take. Yeah. You know, to come, select come committee, to Canada, which they'll come support to all the way. Once every six weeks, yeah. Et mm. um, well, that's enough about MMP. Let's talk about the about Hobson's pledge and Don Brash. Um, I was your your um, colleague Matthew Hooten chided me talking about Hobson's pledge, he said I wasn't allowed to because it was exactly what they 
wanted that this you know mm. like you know that's a thing that's so like yeah just give provide oxygen that's an interesting thing it's what do you so reckon I, I really grapple with that one in mm. terms of our mahi because on, on one hand we'd love to have them on and throw them in the studio with mahi and watch her dissect them but <laughs> then at the same time it's sort of giving oxygen so it's mm. a it, it's a hard one that one I, I understand where Matthew's coming from but then at the same time you know it it can be fun to dissect these people and see and test their arguments and ultimately how weak their arguments are. I it's a like, funny I, I, one. I, I, I don't know. I, no, I, I think he's got a point. Because, he does, Because yeah. there is that kind of you smarmy people who, like me, who lampoon them and stuff, and then it's kind of, oh, look at you, know, and, blah, 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 blah. And the blah. thing is, lampooning them often, um, you know, sort of assumes a level of knowledge about the issue that, Lots of members of the public don't have. So, so speaking of assuming, assuming a level of knowledge, um, can you remind us just what it was, um, Ben, for people who may not have what, what Hobson's oh, pledge Hobson, was? So Hob- Hob- Hobson's pledge is the, the the latest sort of lurching from the grave of former National Party former who Act leader. Got to nail the li- the, the <laughs> lid closed on him. By Don, the way, Don Brash, um, with with a kind of an all star cast of some of New Zealand's most um, most uh, energetic anti-Māori activists drawing together sort of people from across that kind of limited quasi-racist spectrum, Um, you know, people who oppose uh, Māori seats in local government, Um, treaty deniers, which is is a field not a lot of people know about. Tell us about that. Well, see, this is an interesting thing. I mean, Dombrash and the Hobson's Pledge people get a lot of criticism for being racist and irrelevant, but they don't get nearly enough credit for their willingness to front up in incredible conspiracy theories yeah. in public. Just that, that that would make most people sort of, you know, that you would normally associate with sort of homeless people handing out, you know, on the side of a road rather than um, a former governor of the Reserve Bank. So. Um, two of two of the central conspiracies to this Hobson's pledge idea. Um, one of them is the long hidden lost treaty, the Littlewood Treaty. So yeah, the 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 you may think that the real Treaty of Waitangi was the one that everyone signed that was at the Waitangi Treaty grounds, but you would be wrong. The real treaty was discovered in 1988 in the drawer of a desk in South Auckland. Isn't that Magramahi book <laughs> down the back of the chair, wasn't it? Between <laughs> the pins and the twins. And um and 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 so the the the, the real treaty um stipulates that we should all be one nation and there should be no. I think it specifically says there should be no mouldy seats on local councils. Um, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was, that was something Busby was pretty hot on. Um, it inclu- includes a link to the website that explains more. Yeah, and, 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 and from that, this is the basis for most of their beliefs. And, and from there you spin out into wilder territory like the pre maori civilizations mm. in New Zealand where they all believe that there's a, an ancient race of Celtic people buried in forests up north and that they lived in a, in a peaceable and highly technologically advanced society before Māori settlement uh, whereupon they were killed by the savages. Mm. I mean, this is actually lunatic stuff. Um, and I think if, if, if that sort of thing was foregrounded... Yeah, ironically though, you know... Um, ironic is probably not the right word but this stuff sort of makes its way through New Zealand culture a lot of this stuff is printed in the Franklin e-local which Mm. has a readership of 60,000 people Mm. these guys publish books Martin Dutre you know that you can find in a lot of public libraries all around New Zealand Martin Dutre is um, 
a guy who paces out steps on the top of Mount Eden between rocks and concludes that it's actually an ancient astronomical observatory uh, from the pre-Maldi civilization that lived in New Zealand. Um, (laughs) And they have some quite... um, I read about that in Morris G. We've got Margaret Mm. Ray and Morris G. It's, It's all historical texts. Yeah, and they're sort of bankrolled by the likes of, you know, Lewis Crimp and those ones. But, uh, I mean, it's funny, but these guys were, you know, not necessarily the ones in Hobson's Pledge, but basically that network were very involved in the Alan Tipford saga that saw, you know, the law change so that private land could no longer be claimed as part of a treaty settlement. And, you know, as it turned Te Rorua were completely vilified, you know, abused, accused of being arsonists and all the rest of it. And as it turned out, um, Tipford had um, burnt down his own house. But people like uh, John Ansell were still very staunch supporters of him and, you know, obviously anti-treaty and all of that stuff. So on one hand, it's funny, and on the other hand, it's actually quite serious. So pause for seriousness there. Thank you. Just, just a minute. A, m- a moment to remember the pre-Maldi people. Yes. yes. <laughs> We're all going to perform in their, Celtic, in their secret graves. <laughs> a Celtic karakia. Um, um, Marama Davidson mm. uh, has recently returned from... Her Mediterranean cruise. Her Mediterranean cruise, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, also known as the Free Gaza Flotilla or anti, yes. anti against the blockade... On Gaza, it's been imposed by the Israelis. The boat was intercepted. They were taken to Tel Aviv, I think, and then she was deported. Mm. She, uh, she, David Rankin, Annabelle, says she was an embarrassment to Māori. Yeah, I, I think you'd find that most Māori wouldn't agree with um, what David Rankin says. David Rankin and, sadly failed and to... And David Rankin to, to does not speak on behalf of all Māori, despite what the Herald well, and TVNZ may well, think. But um, we actually sent our journalist, um, Ruani Pereira, on that Mediterranean cruise um, last year. And it's actually about raising awareness of the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, which um, I think is a pretty uh, good cause, an interesting one, certainly from an Indigenous perspective. And I thought um, Key's comments off the back were a bit on the nose. Key's comments, which was a kind of a classic of the the form, was... It's less than a perfect look. <laughs> it's kind of, you can imagine the kind of scale of looks. Good look, bad Was well, he talking about the humanitarian perfect, crisis? Or? The kind of political calculus and the needle on the level of look. Well, I, I, look, I can understand Keith's Optics. frustration with this. I mean, fresh back from the UN, he and McCulley are basically on the, on the brink of solving this whole Middle Eastern thing. <laughs> and then Marama Davidson blunders in. That's true. <laughs> the Maramas have got a lot to answer for. Marama Fox single-handedly destroyed Helen Clark's attempt of becoming the UN Secretary General. Now Marama Davidson <laughs> has single-handedly destroyed hopes of peace in the Middle East. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable, right? After, after Key's speech and everything. Um, yeah, I, I look, I agree with the Prime Minister. Can I say, you know, the irony about that is that West Papua, this is something that's happening on our back doorstep where we actually do have a little bit of leverage Mm. and the government just is in absolute denial that there's any sort of issue there and refuses to do anything about it, but they go waltzing off to the UN to to solve, you know, the little run in in the Middle East. It's bizarre. Why Why not address issues in our own region before taking on... 
the metal ace. Well, it's, it's look, it's easy to be cynical, but, you, you know, I mean, we, we might want to take a moment now to just quietly reflect on how much progress has been made in Syria since the Security Council meeting. <laughs> <sighs> um, I th- well, look, look, let's, let's move on again to the big issue. Again, John Key gave it some quite extended analysis. Do you think he was right? Annabelle and his remarks about Aaron Smith and the sex in the toilet. I want, who asked him? I don't know who, who asked him. Who was the reporter I'm, I'm, that I'm asked him? I'm guessing everyone. Honestly, <laughs> I've only been able to get one national minister to front up on our program this year. That was Hekia Parata. Good on her for doing it. And journalists are asking him about Aaron Smith. I have to say, as a journalist, it really irritates me that of all the issues you could ask about, you're asking about Aaron Smith. That's yeah. Thank you, guys. Awesome. But equally, you could say he could say, oh, "I'm not answering that." Ask exactly. Me a yeah, exactly. I and I totally so, agree with that as well. What do you reckon, Ben? You think it's important? Don't you? I, I think there's a lot of big, the government's really heavily invested in Christchurch um, and the rebuild, and now it's turning <laughs> into some kind of Gomorrah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, just, you know, leave some sex for the rest of the country, Christchurch. There was a sex romp last year. There's people fucking in a toilet this year. It's, I mean. Well, I mean, that's true as well. Jockey doesn't just have responsibilities for the rebuild of Christchurch, he also has responsibilities as captain of the All Blacks. That's true. That's true. So let's not forget that. Um, let's not yeah. forget either that if you want to listen to more Phil Goff related material, um, you should uh, check out Warcast, the War for Auckland podcast number nine of which uh, is somewhere floating around on the spin-off website, but it's got Phil Goff on it and Aiden and Simon Wilson. And I think we're done. Um, thanks very much, Annabelle Lee. Thanks very much, Ben Thomas. Thanks, Madeline Chapman on the controls, looking sort of sort of almost about she's fallen to a deep sleep. Mm. <laughs> For a minute there, she says. Thanks very much. We'll see you next month. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.